Former Twitter, now called X, wants to collect your biometric data, and malicious versions of Signal and Telegram have been spotted in the wild, some questionable regulations on internet use in the US are on hold, and a lot more. Welcome to Surveillance Report 149, we're almost at 150, where we're dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news in the past week, so you all can take a little bit more control over your digital lives. I'm Henry from TechLore. I'm Nathan from The New Oil. And this week- Trying to copy you. <laughs> Trying to be low energy. Right, you just always gotta be low energy. You gotta downplay everyone's <laughs> expectations. Um, but uh, today, the promo segment, uh, we're going to live up to expectations because it's the same thing every week. And this week, again, uh, we're going to shout out our amazing Patreon where we have lots of um, you listeners who are supporting this podcast and keeping this going for free and helping us expand to more and more audiences. So we really couldn't do this without all of you. So thank you all very much. You can join them at patreon.com slash surveillance pod and you get access to some exclusive cuts uh, of these uh, surveillance reports and you also get access to the Q&A. And uh, in addition to that, if you don't like Patreon, we do support LibrePay, so you can support us through LibrePay, and we also directly support Monero as well for those of you who just want to directly contribute to us as privately as possible. So thank you all our supporters, and now we're going to go into it after Nate apparently uh, remedies uh, a drastic mistake he made. Yeah, I do have a quick correction before we start. Last week, um, when I was talking about the 2 to notice story and how they're moving over to Argon 2, I said that uh, hashing hashing a password occurs on your device and then the hash gets sent to the server um in true internet fashion and for the record i was wrong but uh y'all were very quick to point out i got that a little bit wrong um the hashing does happen on the servers but the overall point that i was trying to make which should still be true is that they should not be storing your password especially in plain text so they should be storing the hash um yeah so, sorry about that. Thank you guys for correcting me. I really do appreciate it. All right, well, the highlight story this week is a pretty quick story, but um, definitely something that's very noteworthy. So, Elon Musk's ex, great name, uh, wants to collect users' biometric data and education history as part of their upcoming privacy policy update. Now, Twitter slash X is already not a very privacy-respecting platform. Um, I don't have to be the one to tell you why. You can actually read the privacy policy for yourself. It's very upfront about the kind of data that it collects, but this is just the next step beyond that, which is now they're trying to collect biometric data and education history. This is going to take into effect on September 29th, and it can include empl employment history and job search activity as part of their push into recruitment, apparently. So um, I don't know, just a very interesting story. I think it's worth mentioning this, that you know these closed platforms are always going to have random privacy policy updates, and you're always kind of stuck in a position of you either use the platform and continue to agree to this, or you... Uh, don't use it. So um, just something to put on everyone's radars. And yeah, it's interesting. The biometric data is the interesting one to me. I don't know if that's like applying facial recognition and trying to analyze faces. Um, I don't know if they're going to be asking people to upload something. I'm not sure. But either way, definitely something for people to keep an eye on. I was going to say, yeah, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I don't really have anything to add. Um, I guess, you know, Musk, it's all over the news. Musk wants X to be the everything app, which Elon Musk and personal opinions about Twitter slash X aside, I think that's dumb because I've said in the past, when you try to do everything, you end up doing everything really half-assed. Whereas if you focus on like one specialty, you can pull that off pretty well. Personally, like Henry said, it's not a privacy respecting platform. It never really was. Um, yeah, reconsider your use, I guess, if you don't like this. This is a good time. Good time to also try mention not to be too biased. We're on, we're on Mastodon. 
Yeah, we're both very active on Mastodon. In case people have missed the memo, we don't use Twitter anymore. Like anything that gets posted there, um, I don't post anything at all there. I don't know. I know Henry still does, but it's, well, you you, uh, you post, but it's automated. Right, everything's automated. And the same thing with actually Mastodon. Yeah. That's not my personal Mastodon. So like I don't post literally anything, but you you post automated stuff. But yeah, neither of us log in. Right. Yeah. On the Techler side of things, I'm really proud of it. But like anytime anything happens, it's just auto posted everywhere. And I never have to open a single thing anymore and deal with any of these platforms. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So with that, we'll move into data breaches. Um, we have a crap ton of them this week, so I'm going to try to go as quick as possible. We'll start off with Cigna Health, who is a ma- major massive health insurance um I don't know if they're a conglomerate, but they're seriously huge, and I can't stress that enough. They leaked 17 billion records due to a non-password protected database. This impacted mostly healthcare providers, so it was like the names of hospitals and doctors, which is still kind of not cool for the doctors. Um, locations and addresses of the hospitals, contact phone numbers, you know, uh, various ID numbers like national provider information. So, um, thankfully, relatively limited damage, but also like. 17 billion records because you didn't password protect your database come on man that's ridiculous next forever 21 had a data breach that affected half a million people that's the fashion giant and this occurred in january it occurred in january and the notice filed with the main attorney general it included date of births bank account numbers social security numbers and health plan information for current and former employees we have mom's meals who was breached impacting 1.2 million people so apparently mom's meals is a medical meal delivery service um kind of like a meals on wheels thing but you know you can qualify uh depending on your medical condition they were hit in january of this year so we're seeing a lot of delayed notifications this week for uh telling people attacker stole and for the record i understand like Depending on your medical condition, you might get a, a discount or like you might not have to pay anything to qualify for this service, but I still feel like this is an insane amount of information. Date of birth, driver's license, state ID number, financial account information, payment card information, medical record number, Medicare slash Medicaid ID, health information, treatment information, diagnosis code, meal category and cost, health insurance information, patient ID number, and for less than 1% of the affected, social security number. This impacted customers, current and former employees, and independent contractors. And of course, the impacted people will receive a whole free year of credit monitoring. Pretty I'm insane. jealous. I, I wish I was in that data breach. I know. <laughs> Could have got right? a free year. Gosh, how come I don't get credit monitoring? <laughs> All right, next up, Golf Gear Giant Callaway data breach exposes information of over 1 million people. This occurred on August 1st, and it impacted full names, shipping addresses, email addresses, phone numbers, order histories, account passwords, and answers to security questions for online customers. It also impacted sub-brands like Odyssey, OGO, and Callaway Gold, pre-owned. No card, government IDs, or social security numbers were exposed, but still something to put on your radar. Anyways, next story. Paramount discloses data breach following a security incident. This took place in May and June of 2023. It included names, date of birth, social security number, or other government ID number, and, quote, information related to your relationship with Paramount, unquote. So this appears to have impacted a relatively small number of employees at Nickelodeon Animation Studios, but um, Paramount hasn't really confirmed or denied any information on, like, how many people were affected, if they were employees, customers, whatever. So, yeah. 
unfortunate. Risida claims ransomware attack on Prospect Medical and threatens to sell data. Prospect is a U.S. healthcare company operating all over the U.S. and allegedly 500,000 social security numbers, passports, driver's licenses, and corporate documents and patients' records were stolen. So we might get an update to this. So stay subscribed. Next up, you guys may have heard of this one. This one made the rounds. Logic Monitor customers were hit by cyber criminals because of default passwords. So Logic Monitor is a network security company which is never a good look when like cybersecurity companies or networks companies get hit with this stuff. The article did not say how many users were affected. Logic Monitor was assigning users poor default passwords such as welcome, at sign, and then a short set of numbers afterwards. And then to make matters worse, the passwords were not temporary and did not require you to change them upon sign-in. I believe they have since fixed that according to the article. So, but it still happened. So it's kind of too little too late. Privacy Watchdog is monitoring a telemarketer after financial information posted to dark web in data breach. So two charities have said that banking details of their supporters were stolen and leaked on the dark web in a major cyber hack affecting more than 50,000 Australians. This included home addresses and date of births, and more than 70 charities were impacted by the attack, but not all had data stolen. In some cases, though, credit card data was stolen. The Office of the Australian Information Commissioner has not started an investigation, but claims to be monitoring the situation. So keep an eye out if you're in Australia. All right. And our last couple are kind of different than our usual data breaches. The first one comes from Sourcegraph, who was breached using a leaked admin access token. Quoting the article, AI-powered coding platform Sourcegraph revealed that its website was breached this week using a site admin access token accidentally leaked online on July 14th. An attacker used the leaked token on August 28th to create a new site admin account and log into the admin dashboard of the company's website two days later. And then the article goes on to describe how the attacker then used this admin access to give access to other users for free. So, uh... <clears throat> To be fair, I don't know if this was like a, a Robin Hood type situation or if this was more like a hooking up your buddies with something you found, but um, pretty amusing kind of twist, I guess. Grafana security update, GPG signing key rotation. So Grafana is a DevOps platform and a GPG private key and passwords was shared on August 24th publicly by accident. They revoked the cert and issued a new public key. Repo users will need to update on their end, so if you are familiar with this, then make sure you're taking necessary precautions to fix this issue. Uh, we have survived the data breaches section this week. We're going to move into companies, and um, man, hot take, I don't feel like this next story is really a big deal. So the headline says, Apple's decision to kill a CSAM photo scanning tool sparks fresh controversy, and uh, this was a story that really went viral. I saw it reposted in a lot of places. But let's go ahead and quote the article here. In December, Apple said that it was killing an effort design to design a privacy-preserving iCloud fo photo scanning tool for detecting child sexual abuse material, or CSAM, on the platform. Originally announced in August of 2021, the project had been controversial since its inception. Apple had first paused it that September in response to concerns from digital rights groups and researchers that such a tool would inevitably be abused and exploited to compromise the privacy and security of all iCloud users. This week, a new child safety group known as Heat Initiative told Apple that it is organizing a campaign to demand that the company detect, report, and remove child sexual abuse material from iCloud and offer more tools for users to report CSAM to the company. Today, in a rare move, Apple responded to Heat Initiative, outlining its reasoning for abandoning the development of its iCloud CSAM scanning feature and instead focusing on a set of on-device tools and resources for users, collectively known as communication safety features. And we've talked about those. Nushwander, who is Apple's Director of User Privacy and Child Safety, scanning every user's privately stored iCloud data would create new threat vectors for data thieves to find and exploit. It would also 
inject the potential for a slippery slope of unintended consequences. Scanning for one type of content, for, for instance, opens the door for bulk surveillance and could create a desire to search for other encrypted messaging systems across content types. And I got to be honest, this is like the only time we've ever seen a company publicly admit that because usually they're all like, no, it's fine. It's totally only going to be used for good things. Fast forward a couple years later. So clearly, uh, like we could spend a whole episode just talking about this lady's response, but she clearly doesn't understand the technical side of these things or um, I don't know. Uh, maybe she has some kind of ulterior motive. I'm wondering why, because when Apple was trying to roll this out, uh, they didn't they weren't sharing these concerns that they now have. So I'm curious why after, well, obviously they're just going to try to justify whatever decision they're going to make, because back then they were trying to roll out the CSAM stuff, and then um, they got a lot of backlash, but then they doubled down saying, no, we're doing this in a privacy-respecting way, these aren't real concerns, but now they're actually, you know, going back on that a little bit, which is, you know, a good thing overall. I'm glad they are going back on it, and I'm glad that they're acknowledging these points, but I hope that that continues to be their stance going forward so that they're consistent there. All right, up next, Google removes pirate URLs from users' privately saved links. So Google has this ability to save links in Google. And no, it's not a bookmark. It's like this save a link for later type of deal. It, what pretty much happened was Google receives DMCA takedown requests for things that are deemed to be any kind of piracy websites. And so what was starting to happen is people's saved links were starting to be removed from Chrome uh, because those sites had takedown requests. So pretty much uh, Google has been actively going in and uh, has somewhat of a layer of control over the websites that you're saving within that feature. Your bookmarks are fine, um, but still, if you use this save link type of feature, then that is a different issue, and Google has some kind of control over those. That, I think, is the main story here. The fact that Google has any kind of control or oversight over your saved links is definitely something to be concerned about, and I would just keep that on your radar. So Apple has opened their 2024 applications to get a security research iPhone. This is what's known as a security research device or SRD, and quoting the article, SRDs are iPhone 14 Pros with disabled security features and shell access that makes vulnerability research possible on an otherwise locked platform, unquote. Um, so basically, they're unlocked, they're jailbroken iPhones. Uh, they have all the security features removed. You can, uh, I think you can even like, it said you can put custom operating systems on them. You can mess with pretty much anything. You can mess with them. They're fully open iPhones. And they are designed for researchers to find bugs and vulnerabilities, which upon discovery are automatically considered for the Apple security bounty. So that's pretty cool. Um, the phone is a 12 month renewable loan. I, I think that's a pretty cool idea. I've never heard of this before. IBM has promised to back off facial recognition, but it has now signed an almost $70 million contract to provide it. Three years ago, uh, they said that they were going to abandon work on the tech due to concerns about racial profiling, mass surveillance, and other human rights violations. But they've now signed a nearly $70 million contract with the British government to develop a national biometric platform that offers facial recognition for immigration and law enforcement officials. Needless to say, IBM is claiming that this new contract is in keeping with their values. They say that because this program won't be used for mass surveillance, by their definition, it's fine. So, you know what, like, I, I wouldn't mind if they rolled this out as long as they at least shared why this new form of facial recognition they're rolling out deals with their previous concerns that they themselves outlined. 
which was racial profiling, mass surveillance, and other human rights violations. I'd love to see why this new form of facial recognition that they're rolling out addresses those previous issues of theirs. Or they were just virtue signaling three years ago. Woolworths is adding video analytics. This is a really weird, this is, this is just a poorly laid out web page, but um, <laughs> buried in there was like two paragraphs. Uh, retailer Woolsworth has expanded its existing video surveillance solution to include sensors, which employ a pair of integrated CCTV cameras in a bid to combat shrinkage from its stores. Uh, also known as just like people stealing stuff. They're trying to catch shoplifters. Uh, it will be trialed, and I don't know any of these places for the record, so forgive me. I don't even really know what a Woolworths is, to be honest with you. Uh, it will be trialed at Fairfield, Wentworthville, and Randwick Metro in New South Wales, as well as, I'm totally going to mess this up, Moorabin, Miller's Junction, and Woodgrove in Victoria. And I do know enough to know those are Australian places. So again, Australia, be on the lookout. I'm, I'm going to keep this very quick. So the Fairphone 5 is uh, supposed to be a little bit more repairable and much more modern. And there's all the stats and specs about this thing in a description. It looks like a pretty awesome phone. Um, I'm just mentioning it because a couple things. One, it's one of the devices that has one of the best security updates uh, situations of any phone out there. They're actually aiming to support this until at least 2031, uh, maybe even up to 2033. So we're looking at like a decade, which is really cool, possibly. Um, and aside from that, the Fairphone 4 already has a layer of custom ROM support. So I'm sure that we can probably expect the same thing with the Fairphone 5. Um, so yeah, this is like maybe around the corner coming soon. Uh, there are some other things in the description or in the show notes that you can look into if you want to see more of the specs, but I'm just going to leave it there for the privacy and security uh, side of the device. All right, let's move into research. And uh, once again, we have 404 Media this week. They did some really good reporting. The headline says, I tracked a New York City subway rider's movements with an MTA quote-unquote feature. So the author found out, and this person consented, of course. The author found out that the New York Metropolitan Transit Transportation Authority has uh, a website called Omni. I couldn't figure out what that one stood for, but if you're from New York, you probably know about it. And basically, it allows you to look up your purchase history for the last week. And all you have to do is enter a credit card. So uh, they got somebody's credit card. They pulled it up and basically just followed them around. Uh, I, it, they, the intro made it sound like it was in real time, but I'm not quite sure if that's true. But yeah, basically they could just refresh it every so often and see like, oh, cool. They just took the subway from here to here. No authentication required. And uh, they were quick to point out like credit cards are readily available on the Internet. Over 10 million people live in New York City. Um, your abuser if you're in a domestic violence situation, probably doesn't have to look that hard to find your card. Like I, I have probably three or four guesses off the top of my head where my wife's credit card is right now. And I guarantee you one of them's right. So, you know, it's the MTA originally countered by saying users could pay with cash or they could sign up for an account and then add a password. So you can't do this trick anymore. Eventually, however, I guess this article did go a little bit viral and they were kind of pressured. So they've shut down the feature for now, thankfully. And uh, they are reconsidering, quote unquote, how to do this in a more privacy respecting way. So, um, man, just always something you got to be aware of. All right. And the last research article was cybercrime to cost Germany 206 billion euros in 2023. This is from the theft of IT equipment and data, as well as digital and industrial espionage and sabotage. Okay, the damage will surpass the 200 billion euro mark for the third consecutive year according to a Bitcom survey of more than a thousand companies. 
When asked whether cyber attacks threaten your business existence, for the first time, more than half of the companies said yes. A year ago, that figure stood at 45%, and now it's at 52%. And actually, just two years ago, it stood at 9%. So in the last two years, this has very much gone up. Uh, of the companies that suffered attacks, 70% have had sensitive data stolen, which is an increase of 7% points uh, compared to the previous year. And similarly, 61% of companies have had their digital communication spied on, up 4% from last year. So... I think this is probably, you're, we're probably going to see similar patterns all around the world, but it's kind of cool to see uh, this kind of research being done within a single uh, demographic of people so we can kind of track relatively what's going on in different places. With that, we'll move into politics. We're going to start with another story that went kind of viral, but it's it's pretty short and straightforward. So the headline says, Texas cannot yet enforce ID checks on porn sites. Quoting the article, a Texas judge issued an injunction today to stall the enforcement of an online age verification bill. And this is what the judge said. The court agrees that the state has a legitimate goal in protecting children from sexually explicit material online. But that goal, however crucial, does not negate this court's burden to ensure the laws passed in its pursuit comport with established First Amendment doctrine. Unquote. Um, that's really it. Uh, pretty straightforward and... As you can probably guess, I, I think we agree with the judge, you know, like, yeah, protecting kids is a very noble goal. We're not at all opposed to that here. But, you know, if you strip everybody of their freedoms and civil liberties, then what are you really protecting them for, in my opinion? Like, what kind of world are you leaving them? Similar to Texas, uh, a judge has blocked an Arkansas law requiring parental OK for minors to create social media accounts. So the law is uh, minors have to get parental authorization to create their social media um, profiles. Uh, so this was blocked, um, and the judge said that age-gating social media platforms for adults and minors does not appear to be an effective approach, when in reality, it is the content on particular platforms that is driving the state's true concerns. The big tech group arguing against this law argued the requirement violated the constitutional rights of users and arbitrarily singled out types of speech that would be restricted. Arkansas restrictions would have only applied to social media platforms that generate more than $100 million in annual revenue. It also wouldn't have applied to certain platforms, including LinkedIn, Google, and YouTube. Hot take? Uh, we don't talk enough about protecting adults also, um, because adults are equally victim to a lot of social media's issues as well. Now, the issues might be different, but I hear nothing about uh, protecting citizens from a lot of the harms of social media who are adults personally. So I wish there was more talk time about that. Let's go to New York next where, <laughs> oh man. Um, apologies if this surveillance report comes out a little later than usual, because this is bad news for New Yorkers. Police will use drones to monitor backyard parties this weekend, spurring privacy concerns. Quoting the article, the New York City Police Department plans to pilot the unmanned aircrafts in response to complaints about large gatherings, including private parties, over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, and then quoting the NYPD commissioner, if a caller states there's a large crowd and a large party in a backyard, we're going to be utilizing our assets to go up and check on the party. Which, to be fair, if the NYPD didn't have like a horrendous this surveillance track record actually makes a lot of sense and I wouldn't be too mad about it. But uh, the plan drew immediate backlash from privacy and civil liberty advocates raising questions about whether such drone use violated existing laws for police surveillance. Um, one person said it's tr it's a troubling announcement and it flies in the face of the post act. Uh, which is a 2020 city law that requires the NYPD, NYPD to disclose its surveillance tactics. And also we've covered a previous story where the NYPD doesn't respect that law and frequently flouts it and finds loopholes anyways. Data maintained by the city shows the police department has used drones for public safety or emergency purposes 124 times this year. 
up from just four times in all of 2022. So I don't know if they're being more transparent or they're just like really ramping up the usage. But the NYPD did not respond to an email seeking further information about its drone policies, which I think is the real issue here. You know, a lot of privacy groups are like, hey, it's not so much the tech itself. It's not even so much the use necessarily in, in this particular context. It's what are you going to do? What are your safeguards? What are your regulations? What are your policies? To which they say, shut up, you're under arrest. And the next one, I'm going to keep it pretty quick. Springfield Police, Springfield in Missouri for uh, all you uh, Simpsons fans. Um, they're adding more license plate scanning cameras. And uh, pretty much that they started rolling, they started rolling this out last year and it approved to be effective to them because they apparently helped use these to find a couple people. Um, and they say that they're finding more information and it's going to help them out. And so they're going to be rolling this out a little bit more extensively um, by adding more license plate scanning cameras. So uh, something to keep on your radar. That's really the extent of the story right now. But if you are in this uh, city, then make sure you are digging into the story for sure. Or if you're anywhere in Missouri, definitely something to keep an eye on. This comes from uh, Europe, actually. I think Poland is said. Yeah. The Polish Data Protection Authority has filed a GDPR complaint with uh, OpenAI, who is the maker of ChatGPT and who is not open for the record, accusing them of a string of data protection breaches. So quoting the article, questions about ChatGPT maker OpenAI's ability to comply with European privacy rules are in the frame again after a detailed complaint was filed with the Polish Data Protection Authority yesterday. The complaint alleges that the US-based AI giant is in breach of the bloc's GDPR across a sweep of dimensions, and just to name a few of them, lawful basis, transparency, fairness, data access rights, and privacy by design are all areas it argues OpenAI is infringing EU privacy rules, and then it cites all of them. So... Um, the article itself is actually pretty lengthy, and uh, we're sharing this because this could potentially lead to some sort of investigation or trial, but if you're new here or you're not really familiar with some of the privacy concerns surrounding ChatGPT and OpenAI, I would definitely start with this article because, like I said, it is uh, – it's a little lengthy and it lays them all out in detail on like here's what they're accused of, here's the basis, here's what they say in response, etc. So – Definitely worth a look. Former heads of Shin Bet Air Force petition court against Pegasus spyware inquiry. It seems that Israel has opened up an investigation into NSO and the Pegasus spyware after it made headlines last year. It only took them 12 months. And to the surprise of nobody, the military and intelligence agencies are against this. Uh, they pressed for the panel who said that the inquiry is directly connected to a police spyware scandal that broke in 2022 that revealed police usage of sophisticated cell phone hacking technology to obtain unfettered and possibly illegal access to citizens' devices. The NSO group's Pegasus spyware technology sat at the center of the scandal, but was revealed to be only one of several existing hacking tools. Shin Bet and National Security Council officials previously cautioned the government that such an inquiry could leak operational secrets. Wednesday's petition to the High Court, the first against the Pegasus Inquiry panel, also leaked, also asked the court to replace the commission's chairman. So this is just, uh, I think this is a very, very, very early part of a very long journey into how we as a world, um, I know this is happening in Israel specifically and it might be easy to target them, but I think this could have easily just as happened. This could have happened anywhere in the world. I think we as a global society are going to have to figure out how to deal with situations like this. Okay, and our last political story. Um, this is a really interesting one. It says Saudi man receives death penalty for posts online. Latest case in wide-ranging crackdown on dissent. 
A Saudi court has sentenced a man to death over his posts on X, formerly known as Twitter, and his activity on YouTube, the latest in a widening crackdown on dissent in the kingdom that has drawn international criticism. The sentences appear part of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's wider effort to stamp out any defiance in the kingdom as he pursues massive building projects and other diplomatic deals to raise his profile globally. Lengthy prison sentences issued for free speech, such as 27 years against Salma al-Shihab, have not received sufficient outcry, and the authorities have taken this as a green light to double down on their repression, according to Lina, I'm going to screw this up, al Al-Hatzlal, I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm sorry. Um, she's the head of monitoring and advocacy at the London-based advocacy group ALQST. They are sending a clear and sinister message that nobody is safe and even a tweet can get you killed. Um, a little further down in the article, according to court documents, the charges levied against the Al-Gamdi include betraying his religion, disturbing the security of society, and uh, conspiring against the government and impugning the kingdom and the crown prince, all for his activity online that involved resharing critics' posts. Saudi officials offered no reason for why they specifically targeted him, a retired school teacher living in the city of Mecca. However... His brother, Saeed bin Nasir al-Ghamdi, is a well-known critic of the Saudi government living in the UK. And his brother tweeted last Thursday, This false ruling aims to spite me personally after failed attempts by investigators to have me return to the country. And then uh, the article says, Saudi Arabia has used arrests of family members in the past as a means to pressure those abroad into returning home, activists and those targeted in the past say. So that last part really struck me. There's a couple of uh, takeaways here. Obviously... The big one we always talk about is be careful what you post online. Um, you know, you never know. It can come back to haunt you. Um, some people have higher threat models than others, of course, but always be aware of that. And uh, secondly, that last bit really struck me is like friends and family. All right. And now the boss category. We're going to start with Firefox, who released version 117, and it's going to speak Chrome's translation language. Uh, long story short, you're now going to have in-page translations, which are automatically done. And it is pretty privacy respecting by default, though it is currently disabled by default. So if you want to try this out, you have to manually enable it, um, although it was enabled in the betas. So this is doing a staged rollout, so you should get it in the next six weeks or so uh, by default. Again, it is privacy respecting. Firefox went back and forth on how they wanted to implement this in a way that they felt comfortable with from both a security and privacy perspective, and this is what they decided to do. Um, so the people who wrote the article said they gave it a shot and it worked smoothly for them in German, including login dialogues and so on, uh, but not with Shek. So that was, I guess, one thing that they weren't super happy with. Um, but either way, super cool, and it's nice to see an open source browser getting translations. And for those curious, I think Brave has had something very similar for a while now. Um, now, I haven't tested both of them extensively enough to tell you which one's better from a usability perspective, but definitely some stuff for you all to play with. And yeah, that's really it. And this is coming after version 116, which also has some cool stuff, including better picture-in-picture -picture video playback, better keyboard controls, and improved cyborg handling. So uh, whether or not you use Firefox, it's still a really cool, compelling, you know, feature set that they're trying to compete with uh, over on the Chromium side of things. Compete against the Chromium side of things, I should say. Our last FOSS story is about the Linux kernel 6.5 has officially released. This is what's new. Quoting the article, after seven weeks of release candidates, Linux kernel 6.5 is here with new features like Wi-Fi 7 support, MIDI 2.0 support in ALSA, ACPI support for the RISC-V architecture, or RISC-V, I forget, y'all told me once upon a time how that's pronounced, and I can't remember, I think it's RISC-V. Um, landlock support for UML, which is user mode Linux, better support for AMD Zen systems, as well as user space for support for the ARMv8.8, uh, 
memcpy slash memset instructions. It also includes hardware support for Lenovo Yogabook, YB1 dash, I'm not gonna read that, uh, Netbook Aries 8A tablets, Dell Studio 1569, uh, Lenovo ThinkPad X131e, the AMD version, and Apple iMac 11, it says comma, 11 comma three laptops. Um, some of those were words I recognize <laughs> and that's like, there's three other paragraphs of like detailed in the weeds, technical updates. So yeah, if you're one of those people who's like hardcore about Linux and like you like to compile it, like have granular control, like you understand all these words is what I'm getting at. Um, check it out. Cause there's, it looks like there's a lot of big updates in, in this guy. All right. Now we're going to go into the misfits. So this one, uh, it's definitely an interesting one because I'm sure a lot of you people who are listening use Signal, maybe Telegram, but hopefully Signal. Uh, hopefully not Telegram. Hopefully not Telegram, but you know. Uh, at least not for anything serious. Yeah, at least not for anything serious. Um, but uh, on Google Play, there have been uh, spyware versions of Signal and Telegram that have appeared. And so let's dive into it a little bit. Um, these were uploaded to the Google Play Store by a Chinese APT hacking group known as GREF. And this malware was previously used to target ethnic minorities in China, but ESET's telemetry shows that this time the attackers target users in Ukraine, Poland, the Netherlands, Spain, Portugal, Germany, Hong Kong, and the U.S. Uh, the capabilities include tracking the device's precise location, stealing call logs and SMS, recording phone calls, taking pictures using the camera, exfiltrating contact lists, and stealing files or databases. The two apps used in the campaign were, again, Signal except it was known as Signal Plus Messenger, as well as, instead of Telegram, Flygram, which were the fake versions of the apps that had this malware. Uh, the threat actors also set up dedicated websites at signalplus.org and flygram.org to add legitimacy to the malware campaign, offering links to install the app from Google Play or directly from the site. So ESET reports that Flygram targets sensitive data like contact lists, call logs, Google accounts, and Wi-Fi data, and also offers a dangerous backup feature that sends Telegram communication data to an attacker-controlled server. However, the fake Signal app includes a feature that makes the attack more interesting as it allows the attacker to link a victim's Signal accounts to attacker-controlled devices so the attackers can see future chat messages. So... This isn't probably something you have to be super concerned about if you already have these things installed on your phone, uh, but always be very careful about the apps you're installing on your device. Check the developer of the apps. If you're very unsure, you can always officially go to the official website and click on download from the app store directly from their website if you don't want to rely on the search engine of your specific app store. Next up, how a well-regarded Mac app became a Trojan horse. So um, I'm actually gonna summarize this one. So back when Mac, uh, Mac OS Mojave launched in 2018, Apple didn't really have a way to automatically switch between light and dark mode. Um, which personally is a feature I use a lot on all my devices. I'm a big fan. As usual, there were third-party developers eager to pick up the slack, and one of the more well-regarded was Night Owl, which was released in the middle of 2018. Um, it ran in the background during day-to-day -day use. As more official macOS features added in 2021 enabled the night shift dark mode, the Night Owl app was left forlorn and forgotten on many older Macs. And... Uh, 
Quoting the article, few of the supposed tens of thousands of users likely noticed when the app ran in the background of their older Macs was bought by another company, nor when earlier this year that company silently updated the app so that it hijacked their machines in order to send their data through a server network of affected computers, aka a botnet. So it's uh, it looks like this app was twofold, like after the update was pushed out. Um, it looks like, for one, it became a, a botnet. The, like it says, where it pushed uh, users' data that was sold to a third party. But they also made some mention of it basically becoming a residential proxy. The only hint that they give to users that something's afoot is a consent notice after they hit the download button saying the app uses Google Analytics for anonymized tracking and bugs. Um, the botnet settings cannot be disabled through the app, obviously. And in order to remove, so this is pretty nefarious, in order to remove the modifications, users need to run several commands in the terminal app to excise the vestiges of the code from their system. So you really have to get in there to remove this guy. Yeah, so basically they they hunted down the original developer and talked to him. Um, he sold the app, I think they said about a year ago or so, or maybe two years ago. Um, just basically didn't have time, which I, it, I guess it's been a while since we said it. I'm gonna make a call out there. If you guys have... If you have the the disposable income, I know not everyone does, support your favorite projects, you know? Uh, otherwise, like, developers got to eat, man. Everybody's got to have a job. So uh, I've started donating to Cubes recently because I get a lot of value out of that. Um, I should probably see if there's anything else I can support, but try not to bite off more than I can chew at once. But yeah, anyway, so make sure you're, you're supporting these projects. The researcher that found all this uh, released the report calling the app subversive malware, and Night Owl responded by including a comment on the site reading, quote, our app does not contain any form of malware. The concerns raised are based on a mistaken identification, and we are actively working with all major antivirus companies to rectify the situation promptly, unquote. So, yeah, just lots of shady stuff happening here, and, you know, we saw an app get sold recently that's probably going to go down the same road at the rate things are going. It's just really unfortunate. Just beware of the things you have on your system. Make sure you trust them. If you don't need them anymore, get rid of them. Uh, you know, be sure to go through your system regularly and look for apps and programs that you can uninstall because you don't need them anymore, you don't use them. A Brazilian phone spyware was hacked and victims' devices deleted from server. So a Portuguese-language spyware called Web Detective, well, the scammers called it Web Detective, uh, which has been used to compromise more than 76,000 Android phones in recent years across South America, mostly Brazil. This is also the latest phone spyware company in recent months to have been hacked themselves. The unnamed hackers described how they found and exploited several security vulnerabilities that allowed them to compromise their servers and access the database. Uh, the hackers said that they uh, enumerated and downloaded every dashboard record, including every customer's email address, and it allowed them to delete victim devices from the spyware network altogether, effectively severing the connection at the server level to prevent the device from uploading new data, which we definitely did because we could, because hashtag FoxStalkerWare, the hackers wrote in the note. The note was included in a cache maintaining more than 1.5 gigabytes of data scraped from the spyware's web dashboard. The data included information about each customer, such as the IP address they logged in from and their purchase history. The data also listed every device that each customer had compromised, which version was on the phone, and the types of data the spyware was collecting from the phone. Uh, in total, the data showed that they had compromised uh, over 76,000 devices to date at the time of the breach. The data also contained 74,000 plus unique customer email addresses, though they didn't verify the addresses when signing up, preventing any meaningful analysis of the spyware's customers.
It's not known who is behind the breach, and the hackers did not provide contact information, and TechCrunch could not independently confirm the hackers claim that it deleted victims' devices from the network, though TechCrunch did verify the authenticity of the stolen data, which uh, proved to be accurate. So kind of a cool story, if true. Again, it hasn't been necessarily verified, but I haven't seen any real reason to distrust it necessarily. So a uh, very interesting uh, story where the hackers were hacked uh, for good. And uh, that's it for the week. Again, so we covered uh, how Twitter slash X is wanting to collect quite a bit more information about you. There's a malicious version of Signal and Telegram, so uh, try not to download that this week if you can. Um, some questionable regulations on internet use in the US are on hold and quite a bit more. Again, uh, thank you all for tuning in. And again, uh, really check out the Patreon if you like this podcast and you get value from it. It's the most important way that we can keep this growing for hopefully years to come. So you can support us at patreon.com slash surveillance pod. And if you don't like Patreon, we're also on LibraPay and we also accept Monero. Thank you all very much for your support. The last thing I'll say is uh, we really appreciate you all taking your time to be here today and learn more about privacy and security and how to keep yourself and the people around you a little bit safer online and sometimes in person as well. A lot of these stories that we talk about impact the real world. So um, thank you all for tuning in. If you like this, be sure to share it around. Make sure you're subscribed and we'll see you next week for SR 150.